Welcome back, everyone, to The Last Choice on the Left, a horror podcast from Last Choice Network. I'm Chris. And I'm Natalie. And tonight we are returning to Woodsboro again for Scream 5 or Scream 2022 or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Natalie, I'll let you go first. Do you have any? <laughs> I guess, well, well, we, we usually start with the... Um... The, the opening. Intros, the opening, okay. right? And I do remember this one. I, okay, first of all, we're making jokes about how we can't really remember this one very well, guys. So we're going to do our best to get through it. It's been a second, all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do remember bits and pieces of the intro because um, of all of the jokes that they make about, um, like, like, high concept horror. And to me, that mm-hmm. just it just kind of it it kind of tickled me, because I am a fan of high concept horror, A twenty four horror, you know, like I am a fan of it. But I mean, I've been enjoying these movies too, and I think that um, a big part of it is, um, I guess it's a little bit off topic, but like media literacy. I think that. Um, people are getting are becoming more literate in 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 media and how um, people who who work in media are trying to portray things. Um, because even in these like slashers, even in these older slashers or whatever, you can still you can still parse out some messages. You know that they, they don't have to be as in your face as like the Babadook or Hereditary. You know you can, but I mean of course she's the intro just mentions like, oh, I don't watch that slasher garbage. I'm mm-hmm. much too good for that. And um, I think I definitely used to feel that way <laughs> just a little bit. But as I have like personally like grown in media literacy, I mean, also this big part of that was getting a minor in media studies. <laughs> I just like have expanded, I guess. But being able to read it uh, to like flex my degree, but uh... <laughs> well, and I agree. I mean, I'm somebody I I grew up on '80s slasher movies, so for me, slashers are my favorite form of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only now that I am coming to appreciate. Especially again, because you mentioned it and it's mentioned in the intro, A24 films. I, you know, as somebody who likes dumb slashers, I would always turn my nose down at high concept horror because for me, I don't need it to be high concept. Give me something simple, stupid, and let me run with it. Um, But I love um, Hereditary. I love. X that came out this year, and we'll have to talk about it at some point. Um, you know, I love Midsummer, like, and so it's interesting to me that you can go both ways with it. You can have somebody who, like me, who is all about the slashers, but can now find appreciation in high concept, and then you have people who really enjoy high concept who are now able to appreciate what a slasher film tells you. Um, You know, people, again, talking a little bit about criticisms of horror movies, and, you know, people always talk about, 
oh, you know, it's demeaning to women, especially slashers. It's demeaning to women and mm-hmm. all of that. But if you think about it, especially slasher movies, I think to me are also very feminist in the fact that your survivor is almost always a very smart, intelligent woman yeah. outwitting um, whatever crazed psycho is out to kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, it also said a lot, and you know, we can talk about it more, but I think it also said a lot about, and horror in general, has always been great for women. And as a gay man, I think it's very queer representative because of it's a place where there was representation at a time when you didn't find representation in a lot of other media. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it wasn't, some of it was stereotypical representation, um, but when you have no representation, you'll even take the stereotypical representation at points. But horror has always, to me, been a safe space for the LGBT community, women, I would say minorities, but we also know that, you know, Mm -hmm. typically if you're a black person in a horror movie, you're not going to make it, Um, which Scream 2 did buck that trend because Joel the cameraman was the smartest man in that movie. He got the fuck out of town Mm -hmm. until the shit was done. But yes, it's, it's getting better in that, in that uh, aspect. Um, But I just always have felt horror has been a safe space for that kind of stuff. But Going back to our intro on Scream 5, I think this is my favorite intro since the original. Yes, I, I agree. I I think it I think it mirrors it really well. You mm-hmm. know, like it just feels real, I guess, you know. Um yeah, it just it feels real. <laughs> yeah, and I it's the first time that I actually felt that the person involved was truly in danger since the original. Um, mm-hmm. I love that again now that we're in came out in 2022. It was supposed to come out in 2021, so we'll say you know we're in the 2020s now. So again, we're ten years after the. Mm-hmm. events of Scream 4. Um, thankfully, we won't have to wait another 10 years to get the next story in the franchise, which is good because Al and Sydney are not getting any younger. Um, <laughs> no no jabs on At some point, we need to let them live their life frozen. That's kind of cute. Um, we need to let them live peacefully for the rest of their lives. I really hope that changes because I don't like looking at my hand or my bald spot Um, for anyone who ends up watching this. If you're listening, you're probably like, what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) Um, Yes, if you watch it on YouTube, you'll you'll probably see what I mean. Um, But I love the technology they bring in where, you know, it's a little unrealistic because she answers a landline and like who in 2022 still has a landline. Mm-hmm. Um, but using the smart locks 
on the doors to get into the house and being able to unlock it and and her have to lock it, I think really mm-hmm. pulled in a, you know, yeah. no matter how how technology, how technology is supposed to keep you safe and it really doesn't. Yes, it definitely can have its downfalls. That was, I mean, it was obviously scary. Like if I was in that situation, I would piss myself probably. But it was, there was a, I, it was also a little funny just because it's like constantly like going back and forth <laughs> on the lock. <laughs> Yes. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, you're, you're la- you are laughing because you're like, yes. what but is I'm, going on here? But I'm glad that's not me. <laughs> yes. But it's and I and I love too just how you know it's back to to Ghostface being menacing and you know yeah. <laughs> knowing things about like truly knowing things about the victim, which. Again, obviously, once we find out who the killers are in Scream 4, but with the opening kill, like, I didn't, it didn't feel like to me that Ghostface knew really who he was talking to. Like, it didn't really pull in that personal thing where it's like, you know, in this one, this Ghostface knows enough to be able to pretend to be someone that um, her mother may actually know in her program. Um and I love how he does get offended when she says, he's like, oh, I don't watch that. I don't watch that garbage. Shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could tell he literally takes that personally. It really <laughs> is like that above everything pisses him off. So it, I will give Scream 5 the fact that it has the best opening, I think, uh, of any of the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, for me, that's really what... Uh, that's really one of the only highlights of the movie. Oh. One thing I will say that I do, I also really enjoyed in it that I think they did a really good job of is capturing, again, like the original and like Scream 4, this group of kids that are all, um, I think they're all still in high school. They may be juniors or seniors. I yeah. can't. I don't think they're quite, I think they were in, I think they were seniors in high school, but again, they really did a good job of capturing their camaraderie and you can tell that this is a very close knit of friends and you start again, caring about them and rooting for them. So I think they did a really good job of going back to that and giving us believable characters that we initially do care about. Um, for me, the big problem I have with this movie is I have the same problem with it that I had with Star Wars The Force Awakens. I've seen this movie. I've seen it twice now, as a matter of fact. Yeah. It, the callbacks to the original screen, I, I feel like for a big chunk of it, I was just watching the first screen with a different cast. And I feel like we had just done this movie with Scream 4. Yeah. And okay, so in in Scream, okay. Once again, I also get I'm getting five and four completely mixed up. So help me out here. Okay. Is is okay, Scream Five, 
Is that when they're back in like the original house? Is that five? So, so in five, the climax happens in Stumacher's house. Stumacher's house. Just like, yeah, like in Scream. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I am, I am tracking, trying to make sure that I'm following. following everything that happened because honestly i i remember very little about the ending i i hate to admit it i kind of don't even remember who the killers are <laughs> yay we can we can work our way through this together i like um, i <laughs> no it's it's under i think the reason i think the reason why i remember it is because again i just love me a, a slasher movie and i love the scream franchise and I know I've watched it probably a few more times than you have. Um, So we'll eventually get to the reveal of the killers um, when we get there. But I just, I really feel like Stream 4 did a much better job of rebooting the franchise and still telling a standalone story. I think Scream yeah. 2022, they went too hard in trying to write a movie for people who have never watched a Scream movie, period, mm-hmm. at the expense of people who have been following this franchise for, at the time, it was supposed to come out on the 25th anniversary of Scream. Scream came out in 96. Scream 20, Scream 5 was supposed to come out December of 2021, and it got pushed into January of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of us have been watching this franchise for 25 years, and again, to me, it was just like The Force Awakens, where, yes, you do need to, even though Star Wars is a completely different beast, yes, you need to generate excitement because you're bringing this franchise back, but you're not telling me a story that I haven't already seen before within this franchise. Yeah, they seem, it just, I remember it feeling like it really, it relied so heavily on like family connection mm-hmm. in a way that felt so much more forced than in four. Mm-hmm. Um, or like they, it's like they had to make it so, they had to like make it revolve around that more. I guess. Um, which I, you could say it's like kind of fan servicey, I guess. Like, you know, it's these people's kids and nephews and nieces or whatever. But yeah, it just, it didn't really feel due. <laughs> yeah, and for me, there was a way, I mean, there was some fan service, I think, done right. Like, one thing I appreciated was when you're introduced reintroduced to Dewey in this movie mm-hmm. who isn't like I really want to give Dewey a hug because Dewey's not doing so well no, um, he's not bless him <laughs> <laughs> um, but when Sam and Richie leave his trailer after meeting with him it kind of pans over and you see I'm assuming they're Tatum's ashes because it's hard to remember that Tatum was his sister. Mm-hmm. And so little things like that I appreciate because it's like, 
reminding you of, like, yes, you know he's her brother, but it's mm-hmm. reminding you of, of of her without, you know, it just pans over and you see it. It's not, like, focused on it, like, Tatum's over here. Whereas, yeah. you know, again, the twins, Mindy and Chad, are Randy's niece and nephew. Yes. And you meet. Very obvious. Yes. And and in a way you can because you were introduced to his sister Martha in Scream 3. She's the one who brings the tape with the trilogy rules on it. So this is a character that we've been introduced to, but they really do play into, you know, when they're talking about the rules of the requel. Um, and they're telling, you know, Wes, who is the son of now Sheriff Judy, um, oh, well, no one's going to care about you because your mom's not an original character. It's like, but they're going to come after us because we're, you know, related to the OG characters. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, it's getting a little heavy handed, guys. Yeah. Like, we know, we know. Uh, how they're related to Randy, you don't have to constantly hit me with it. Um, you know, even um, Vince, the guy that's killed in the parking lot uh, after they're at the bar, is Stu's nephew. But why do you have, like, why does he have to be? Because you don't take that anywhere. Like you had the perfect opportunity to set this character up as your character, as your killer. Mm. Like, oh, his his nephew is, uh, or his uncle was batshit crazy, so maybe he's batshit crazy. Yeah, um, and that just like also kind of bothered me with even how like with with the main character with with Sam being Billy's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> it felt and then like like hallucinating and seeing him and it felt so heavy <laughs> and like don't get me wrong I love having Ski Ulrich back in the franchise yeah. <laughs> but yeah I mean and as someone who does not suffer I shouldn't say suffer as someone who does not live with mental illness that causes um you know, visual hallucinations and audible hallucinations. I don't know how realistic that was. Mm-hmm. But um It just kind of silly. I don't know, like like really silly. <laughs> actually the biggest part the biggest problem I had with that is when she sees her dead father, his he's still splattered in the blood. How would she know, like, did she grow up, like, because she didn't know for the longest time that he, you know, that the man she thought her father wasn't her father. She didn't, she finds that out, I think, as a teenager, that Billy Loomis is her father. How does she, how does she know how, like, how he looked when he died? I mean, minus the bullet hole in the middle of his forehead. But he's dressed up like the end of Scream. And I'm like, how would she know in her mind that that's what he would like? Is it a force ghost? Like, is he just appearing? Mm-hmm. I think at that like, point, it's it's just all for the fans at that point. Yeah. And you and can't I'm even like, look more into it. 
and that's where my problem is is because like i get hung up on the <laughs> when fan service goes wrong you get hooked up you get hung up on the well but why the did you details, make this yeah. decision like um you know i him the halluc like again i'm not a script writer i don't know i just can't get behind the she knew what he looked like after he was dead mm -hmm. um that's what really bothered me like that's the one thing that really bothered me most about that that's how they decided to have them all splattered with corn syrup and uh red food dye um i do like again going back to the characters and the things i think they did get right i really did like the relationship between sam and tara mm -hmm. um i think they captured that very well i can totally believe that Tara would have gotten pissed off at her sister when she finally confesses to her why she took off um, and made her sister feel abandoned instead of just, you know, giving her sister the opportunity to process the fact that her finding out that her father is a psychotic serial killer, not the man they thought was dad. Um, I really feel like by not giving her sister the opportunity to process it, I could see where there was that resentment. But I also like that they did come together, back together at the end of the movie, and then and do genuinely care for each other. Like again, that's one of the things I think Screen Five did really well is again most of the character development. Mm -hmm. um, character I was saddest to see die was Wes. I liked Wes <laughs> like. The sheriff's son. Um, uh, yeah, I, but it was like it was it was one of those things where like they tried so hard <laughs> to like be safe and everything, yes. and it just it it was sad. Yeah. <laughs> um. And again, talking about fan service is a little person on the refrigerator, freaking lemon squares, and there was some in the in the fridge for it. She's still making that. Goddamn lemon squares. <laughs> um, but no, I I was fine with them. I actually wanted Judy to survive, um, but I was fine with them killing her off. <laughs> but I I was upset that they killed they killed Wes off. I think they could have mm -hmm. done a lot with his character. I do like how they tried to. They played on all the tropes on when you think he was going to be killed. It's like, oh, you think he's going to be killed in the shower? Because they did, I mean, they full-on recreated, again, they did it in, when they did Stab, but they full-on recreated the shower scene from Psycho where it's the camera pointed up at the shower head with the mm -hmm. water coming towards it. So you're like, oh, he's going to get in the shower. Survives mm -hmm. the shower. <laughs> and then he's, you know, toweling off and walks in his bedroom and he opens the door. And like, oh, the, the killer oh, didn't jump out there. there. Yeah. He goes down to the kitchen and he's opened the refrigerator. And you think when he shuts the refrigerator, the killer's not there. So you spend this whole time thinking he's going to make it. And then it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's going to survive. And then you think he's going to make it where he's going to open the front door and find his mom's dead body. But instead of going outside, he does what any rational person would do, which is shut the door and lock it. And then finally turns around and there's the killer that we've been expecting for the last five minutes. Um, 
yeah, I, I was rooting for Wes, and he didn't make it. R.I.P. Wes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, who else do we have that we can talk about? We talked about, I, I know Sam is supposed to be like the new Sydney, the new final girl. I like Tara better. The sister, the younger sister. Um, she had a real. She's a survivor. You know, mm-hmm. she went through. Obviously, this is the first time in Scream where you have in your opening kill the opening kill doesn't die. Um, but she, again, has going through like her own hospital scene. She is fighting for her life the entire time. And I really hope that in the next one, we get more of that. Like they don't diminish her and bring her back down. Like she's the the strong fighter. Not that Sam isn't, but she's, I mean, yeah. Ghost Ghost makes a comment when he's talking to, to Sam, stalking Tara going like, you know, this time I'll try to stab her in the organs I missed. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, she's, I just, I really liked her character and I liked how she fought through the end. Um, talking of the hospital scene. I've always felt that Dewey was the heart and soul of the Scream franchise. Mm-hmm. I'm glad these filmmakers had the balls to kill Dewey off. Yeah, I think I think one of the original the, the original they had to die had to die, and I mean, I think it's for the best. I mean, it it sucks. I was I was definitely like <gasps> you know clutching my pearls, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever I saw, I was like I was like oh my gosh, they did it. They did it, like yes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but it's probably better in the long run. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised. And again, there's still we'll well, we'll talk about that in the end. But and again, going back to like with what the Star Wars sequel trilogy did, they kill off. Spoiler alert! They kill off. Han Solo in the first movie of the new trilogy. They kill off Luke Skywalker in the second movie of the trilogy. They kill off General Leia in the third movie of the trilogy. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get, well, now we know we're getting Scream 6. We don't know if we're going to get a Scream 7. This is Hollywood, I'm going to say probably. I wouldn't be surprised if Gail gets it in the next movie. Mm-hmm. We know Sydney won't at least die on screen because Nev Campbell has been very adamant that she will not do a movie if they kill off Sydney. So what I am hoping for is whether Scream 6 is the last one featuring this cast of characters or if we get a Scream 7, if she finally gets to ride off into the sunset and never have to worry about this shit ever again. <laughs> I think after this many years, she's earned yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we do lose Gail at some point in the future. But yes, I 
I was heartbroken when Dewey died. And I am not going to lie. I The first time I watched it, I thought Courtney Cox. I felt her devastation when Dewey died. Like, she pulled that off where she was. And it's funny because, again, art imitating life, you know, at the end of Scream 3, Dale and Gooey, Dale and Gooey, Gale and Dewey get engaged. (laughs) (laughs) Gale and Dewey get engaged. They're married in Scream 4, which, again, uh, Courtney Cox and David Arquette were married in real life. They were married at the time they did Scream 4. They were divorced by the time they did Scream 5, so that carries into their characters uh, today, but you could still see in, in the role that even though they were no longer married, she was devastated by his loss. Yeah. And I think she, again, talking about how we talked about previously about, you know, giving great performances that are ignored because they're in actually horror movies. You can still feel real emotion watching these, even though it's just a trashy movie. Um, but yes, I, I, I do applaud the, the filmmakers for finally killing off one of the original three. Because I think had all three of them made it again, it's like, come on, guys. Like, what are A, what are the chances that after 25 years, someone is still trying to kill these motherfuckers? And B, <laughs> what are the chances that they're actually all going to survive yeah. for a fifth time? <laughs> um, so then, you know, we're going through the movies. People are still dying. Who cares? We get to the big party at the end of the movie. And again, for me, it just doesn't work having it in Stu Mockter's house. It just feels way too heavy handed that 25 years later, here we are again, again, in the same place. It could have it could have only worked if that was gonna be it, I think. But if this was gonna be know, the end of it, yeah. Okay. Like it, but I I was kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, like I was just like rolling my eyes. It's <laughs> 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 like, of course it is, of course it is, sure. <laughs> and, and and that's one thing I appreciated appreciated about Screen Four is we returned to Woodsboro, but we didn't have to go back to any of the original locations. With the exception of high school, because they're in high school, where else are they going to go? Like, and they didn't even use the same school. But I mean, that's really the only location that they returned to in that whole movie. Um, I guess one somebody we need to bring up in this whole conversation is Richie, the boyfriend. Um, I think played very well by Jack Quaid, who I think is someone who's always fun to watch in whatever he's doing. Um, and I feel like I spent the whole movie going like, oh, we know who the new Dewey is. Um, because he's the lovable goofball yeah. throughout the whole movie. Um, 
And I love the fact that, you know, when they go to meet Dewey for the first time after the uh, attack on her sister, and Dewey's first thing is, oh, the boyfriend's a killer. Like, how long have you known him? Yeah. And, you know, he looks all like touching his pearls. Yeah. Um, And you later come to find out that Dewey had it right the first time. (laughs) Like, yep. (laughs) Like, you know, sometimes the most obvious answer is the correct one. um, And this time it was. Um, I think his character did do a very good job about being suspicious, but not being suspicious. Like, yeah, he's suspicious because he's new. Like, he's a new. Right. It's even the younger kids know Sam because she babysat She babysat them. Whereas you have this totally new person, so of course suspicion is going to fall on him. Right. But you're also said that like he couldn't be that. Yeah, I was like kind of rooting for him every once in a while, though. It was just a little too. I don't know about that. Well, and they even go back to the ploy to make him look innocent with the uh, arm slash at the hospital scene because we have to have a yeah, hospital right, scene. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, we saw this in screen two when the killer did that to Derek, but it made you think he was guilty because it didn't get any yeah. major arteries or anything that, you know. And then we just saw it in screen four when. Charlie does it to Jill when they find um, their friend's dead body in the other house. And now we have it. So it's like, I know horror movie tropes are tropes Mm -hmm. for a reason. Mm -hmm. But I've already seen this movie. Like, Give me something new to watch, please. I'm begging you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I will say... Um, my god why can't I think of her name all of a sudden the other killer um, Amber I looked at Amber her. thank you <laughs> I've been looking I'm at like, the cast I have to you know put faces the cast of characters yeah yeah yes, yes yeah or um, I'm yeah Amber that's her it's name. Amber yeah <laughs> yeah I'm sorry I still Refuse to believe that Amber is the one who kills Dewey in the hospital. Um, like, I just cannot. There is no suspension of disbelief strong enough to make me believe that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I know that there is a big part of the community who is really hoping that Stu is still alive and is the overall mastermind of these new killings. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I, I just can't wrap my head around that Amber's the one who kills Dewey. Um, and we know it has to be Amber or a third party that has yet to be unmasked because we know that Richie is with Sam in the elevator, Sam and Tara in the elevator when Dewey goes back and gets killed. So it can't be Richie. So it either has to be Amber or somebody else, but I still just refuse to put it Amber because I do. Um, but getting to the party, um, 
and being back in Stumacher's house. Um, I, I will admit, if I had an opportunity to purchase a house where something like that happened, I would probably do it in a heartbeat. Um, you know, like, uh, I was just watching a video on the Wonderland murders. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Wonderland killings in LA and Hollywood back in the late 70s. Um, but basically, John Holmes, who is a very well known porn actor, mm-hmm. was uh, heavily, heavily, heavily addicted to drugs and um, was washed out of the porn industry because even the porn industry was like, you need to get your shit cleaned up, dude. Um, and him and this gang that lived at this uh, condo on or this building in on Wonderland, which is a street in, in Hollywood, robs one of the biggest drug dealers in LA. And they know it's John Holmes and his people. So in retaliation, they go into this house and force John to watch as they murder everybody in the house, except for one person. One person did survive the attack. And they know John Holmes was in the apartment because there's a he left a handprint in blood in the apartment or condo. And um, he's eventually found not guilty. The guy who ordered the hit is eventually found not guilty. Uh, and somebody owns it today. And I'm like, I buy that house. <laughs> or I would buy the house where, you know, Sharon Tate was was murdered or, you know, where Nicole Brown Simpson, like, I just would. So I totally get Amber's giddiness at living in Stumacher's house. Now, I'm not saying I would buy these houses and then butcher all my friends because it's not a healthy way of, you know, uh, expressing yourself. But I, I do understand the fascination with buying a piece of property where something like that has happened. Like to own that piece of morbid history. Um, and people are listening to this like, yes, I am. I can admit that. Um, But yeah, no, I just, having the party, um, conveniently having Richie show up to kick all the kids out, um, the attack on Chad. So the Chad was supposed to die in the movie, but they liked him too much, so they pulled a Dewey and kept him alive. Um, the attack, on, again, talking about, oh, you know, heavy-handed, the attack on Mindy with Ghostface sneaking up behind her while she's watching Stab when Ghostface sneaks up yeah. behind her uncle. And it's like it's right at that you. exact, it's that exact oh moment. <laughs> and I'm just like, we get it. It was, it was an eye roll for me. It was an eye roll moment for sure. <laughs> we get it. That's his niece. But at least she was smart enough to turn around. Yeah. I will give her that, you know. Um, but yeah, so you have that attack. Um, I love how Amber just shoots Liv in the head. Like, Liv, who was the most useless character, like, you forget she's even in the movie until her brains are splattered 
up against the wall, and I'm just like, oh, she ain't fucking around. Like, she's done. Um, I do like when, when I love the fact that uh, Sydney puts a tracker on Sam's car when they're going to leave, and Gal's like, well, how do you know where they're at? And she's like, oh, I put a tracker on the car, and Gal's like, oh, that's some, that sounds like something Gal would do. Like, you know, like... <laughs> Um, and I do love the fact also in this movie, you can see a true friendship, again, talking yes, about how it happened there, how they were so adversarial in the first movie and how they're truly friends in this movie. Um, I do like that, but they show up, Amber pops out the front door pretending to be a victim. And I love when she, they look at each other and she's like, what do you think? And she's like, oh, it's fake. And then Amber shoots Gail because, you know. Yeah. Gail can't go on movie without being shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, then you have your typical, they run through the house. The the killer's trying to taunt Sydney, and Sydney's like, you know, pretty much bitch. This is my fifth time at this rodeo. Like, learn some new material again. Um, get your reveals on who the killer is, you know. Amber obviously shooting Liv, you know, right away. But I do like, you know, again, going back to Charlie stabbing Kirby um, and that betrayal, you have Richie stabbing Sam to, to make his reveal. So you have that betrayal. And I'm like, oh, yep, I could check that off of another movie I've watched in this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, their motivation is a little bit unique. Um, and talking about toxic fandoms and people hating what has happened to their their childhood. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that, like, so this whole this whole thing of like you know they're, they're I mean it's comical at this point, right? There's like mm-hmm. we're on stab seventeen. Okay. And they make all these jokes about, like, what now Ghostface has a flamethrower? Like, <laughs> you know, like, like they, you know, they're making it all outlandish and stuff. Um, so they, they want to do the reboot, right? They want to bring it back to its roots, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it was, like, coming coming off of four, it was kind of a weird direction to take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like like having that be the follow up. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was <laughs> well, and what I like the one thing I did like about in tra- in terms of talking about toxic fandom is again for me going back to the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Um, Ryan Johnson directed the the middle movie, The Last Jedi. <laughs> And I'm, I think, one of very few people who genuinely loved that movie because it went off in a direction you completely were not expecting. Um, He had the balls to make Luke Skywalker into a grumpy old man who cuts himself off from the Force. And, you know, everyone has this expectation that he's always going to be, you know, you know, standing up and fighting for everything. And like, he's pretty much given up um, and he got lambasted for it. So I love the fact that I think, I know we joke saying stab 17. I think they're really only on eight, you know, 
No, in the movie, still- they, made, they made a joke about it being like a really high number. Yeah, but I think the movie they hate specifically with the flamethrower is really just eight. But I think they're, okay. again, exaggerating <laughs> the fact that, like, the more movies you make in a franchise, it's like, it's like talking about Jason X when he goes up to fucking space. Like, when you're in a movie and they send you to space, mm-hmm. it's time to call it quits. So, but Ryan Johnson is the one who directs the movie that everybody hates. And I just love the fact that Ryan Johnson. I'm assuming they reached out to him and I'm sure he was okay with it. Just playing on the fact that you have this toxic fandom that you make a movie that they don't agree with. And they're literally, you've ruined my life because I don't like a movie you made. And it's like, how sad and pathetic are you that you decide, Oh, well, we got to get stabbed back to the basics, which means we have to kill a shit ton of people so they make a real life movie, you know, a movie talking about real life and not bullshit ghost face with a silver metallic mask and a sleeveless hoodie and a flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've gone from Mickey and Scream 2, who's using movies as an excuse for what he does because he wants to blame them. Because they hate the last movie in a franchise. It's like just playing on the tropes that horror movies make monsters and make people do horrible things. And it's like, no, people are assholes and shitty and use movies as an excuse. And again, you even go back to Billy talking about, you know, movies don't make um, something about insane people. It makes them more creative. And I'm like, okay, that I can, (laughs) like I can get, you have homicidal tendencies and you may have a little bit more of a flair for the dramatic and how you do things because of movies. I don't think movies is what causes people to actually commit. And you're lesser of these two losers. Um, I will say again, there was a little bit of a passing of the torch because you didn't have Gail or Sydney kill either of the killers in this movie. Sam finally embraces her lunatic father's side and fucks Richie up with that knife. Um, my favorite part is when she like literally stabbed him in the cheek and it just went like all the way through his mouth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, shut him up because at this point he's just ignoring me. Uh, again, my one complaint is I refuse to believe she stabbed him that many times and had that much blood on her that her hand did not slip off that handle and cut herself. Because if you watch any, you know, do crime shit, you know, when you use a knife and you overkill someone, you're probably going to cut yourself doing it. I I just yourself, refused, yeah. And I just refuse to believe she didn't do that. Amber's death, I think, is my favorite. Um, watching her face all charred up. I love the fact, and again, I love the fact that it reminds you of living through COVID, that there's a giant fucking bottle of hand sanitizer in the kitchen, especially at a party. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> they're worried about that, right? Yes. Well, <laughs> she's not murdering people, but, you know, please come in and sanitize your hands as you, you want to make sure we don't spread any viruses here. 
<laughs> but it was a it, it was a very subtle way to remind people of the times we're currently living in. And obviously, they didn't know this when they were making the movie because again, it was supposed to come out before it did. It made me think of there was a want to say it was somewhere in California. A man enters a police station in some type of he's clearly having some type of uh, mental break. And he ends up dousing himself in hand sanitizer. And the cops think it's a good idea because he's I mean, he's freaking out, no doubt about it, but they tase him as he's covered in hand sanitizer. He died two days later because mm -hmm. of all the burns. And so yeah. watching her get doused, and I love how like she hits her with the bottle and she's like, fucking hand sanitizer. <laughs> and then she ends up turning the oven on herself and then just <laughs> going face first into the burner. But when she pops up again and just her face just being all mangled and then you think either Sydney or Gail are going to get it and then Tara's there with like the gun and just blows her brains out and like did not see that coming but I think it was a nice passing of the baton to Sam and Tara mm -hmm. for the one to take care of Ghostface in the movie and it's not Sydney or Gail. So... They saw what happened last time. They tried to have Dewey do it, and he bungled it. And it's what eventually ends up killing him in this movie because he remembers, oh, I have to shoot him in the head. So that's why he goes yeah, back. Yeah, he goes back, yeah. He forgot to shoot her in the head. Um, and this time, they took care of it. Um, so then we get done. Paramedics show up. I do like the fact that um, Gail decides she is not writing the tell-all book on, you know, the Woodsboro Murders Part 3. Mm -hmm. um, and instead, she's going to write a story about, you know, a decent man from a small town. Um, and does what I think we really need the media to do when we talk about these things you know, these mass shootings and these other type of tragedies we have where we need to stop saying the name of the killers and glorifying the killers because it's A, what they want, and B, other crazy people do try to emulate that and get that same fame. And I like the fact where she's like, I want these fuckers to, you know, remain anonymous and their names not be spoken. Um, and then it just fades out with a reporter saying pretty much the same lines that Gail said at the end of screen. I'm like, can someone at least give her a different script to read off of talking about? <laughs> like, um, one thing we do know we didn't talk about is we do know that Mark Kincaid, her boyfriend that you don't remember from Scream 3, um, her love interest that you don't remember being in Scream 3, is now her husband and the father of her children, or her child. I think she only has one of this. Um, 
I do like when the when the murders start and Dewey calls her just to say like, "Hey, don't come here." And he's like, "Do you have a gun?" And she's like, "I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course I have a gun." Like, <laughs> um, but you know, she's finally. I guess you have to just accept that this is your life, and mm-hmm. someone may show up and try to kill you at this point. I guess. Um, so again, there were a few things I liked in the movie, but overall, I'll say the same thing that James said after watching one of the Marvel movies. It was okay. I like the potential of where a sequel can go, but it just overall just did not work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I remember enjoying it in the moment, mm-hmm. I guess, but I wouldn't say it's memorable, you know, because it is very similar to things that they've already done. Yeah, I and again, I. I'll say the same thing as, like I say about Halloween, because Halloween is my favorite franchise. I still love my least favorite Halloween movie because it's a Halloween movie. I enjoy I enjoy this when I watch it because it's a screen movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I look at people in the horror community, you know, raving about it, like it, You know, for a lot of people, this is their favorite movie after the original. And I'm like, no. Like, I just, I can't. And I do have a ranking of the movies, and I just, I can't. And I was very surprised after watching them for this and where my rankings ended up compared to what I previously thought about the movies. So for me, obviously, the best one is the original, as is often the case in most franchises. My second favorite is Scream 4. I think Scream 4 comes the closest to what the original did. It brought it into a new generation while still being its own thing. Um... It had characters I cared about, even though I can't remember Charlie's friend's name. Um, What really surprised me is my third favorite is Scream 3. Scream 3 used to be my least favorite movie. And now it's right in the middle for me. I appreciate the change in tone and the fact that it is more humorous than the first two movies. Um, again, it's not perfect by any means. The other thing that surprised me is Screen 2 is my fourth favorite, and Screen 2 used to be my second favorite. But after but after watching us and then after Well, and after doing our review, like I remember thinking, like I had all these notes and I'm like I feel like that was our quickest episode on any of these, and I'm like, God, this there really isn't a whole lot to say about I mean it's a good I enjoy it but there's not a whole lot to really say about mm-hmm. for me and then obviously Scream 5 is my least favorite because 
everything in Scream 5 I watched in Scream and Scream 4. And they did it better. No offense. Yeah, I think I I agree with that. I agree with that list. I think it's uh, yeah, I I have the same feelings. I think you could probably flip two and three around maybe. Um but yeah, I for me and again, what cracks me up is a lot of people still rank Scream Four as their Scream Three or Four as their least favorite. And to me, those are way better than what twenty twenty two gave us. Mm-hmm. So, well, how do you feel now that we're finally done for now <laughs> with I... Sydney Gale and the gang? <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm ready to go to the next thing. <laughs> I'm tired. So, but <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm literally tired and I'm tired of screen. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'll let you tell everyone what our next thing is because I started it off on screen and yes. you chose our next franchise to look at. Yes. So I, I guess the preview, I picked the VHS franchise. Just based on, um, I am more curious about found footage horror. I have seen some other film. You know, I've seen the the classics of Blair Witch, and uh, I mentioned as above, so below. And I like them. I'm, you know, obviously some are better than others. But I heard good things about the the newer VHS series. So I thought, or the new the newer VHS movies. So I thought. It might be fun to watch. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it because I have not seen any of them myself. So it will be a whole new experience for me. I come in completely blind to it with no notions preconceived or not. So it'll really be a first hot take on everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I think we're doing the four mainline VHS movies. We're skipping the one side movie for now. We may circle back to it at some point. So you'll get to look forward to that for the next four weeks. And then we'll let you know what we're working on after that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, again, thank you for joining us we appreciate you um again if this somehow ends up on youtube i apologize that you have to look at my raised hand and my bald spot until i don't even know if it's still recording because i just see boxes bouncing around um but we do appreciate you listening again this is last choice on the left a horror podcast from the last choice network i've been chris and i'm natalie And we will see you next week with our take on the first VHS movie. Mm -hmm. Bye.